Hey, welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, Podcast Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. You want to join the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this blue marble planet. Let's check out the analytics today. United States, of course, is at the top of the list. We got Philippines coming in second, Australia, Singapore, Nigeria. We got South Africa, New Zealand, Canada, Finland, Latvia, Nambia, Norway, and Argentina. Do not cry for me, Argentina. And, of course, always those parts that are unknown. I so appreciate everybody who tune in week after week. Thank you very much. You know, we just finished a very long series, a whole half of a year of teaching on doorways to deception. That took a minute. That really escalated, didn't it? Well, something I think we discovered that uh, that was kind of important, wasn't it? If you have not done so, hey, go back, check those out. You're going to be glad you did. Yeah, there's a bunch of them, but they're, you know, they're all right around 30 minutes a piece, I think. So, you know, hop in your car, whatever it is you're doing, you know, take a listen to them. I think you'll be glad you did. Um, if, um, what about now, you know? Okay, Lord, what about now? You know, you come out of a, a big series like that, you got to reset your mind. And uh, I believe God would lead us, this, this one really kind of caught me off guard a little bit till I started getting into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just praying and thinking, you know, maybe we're going to go a certain direction. And uh, what about the Lord's Prayer? Do you know it? I, I'm sure you know how to say it, but have you ever really thought about it? It seems like we sometimes, I think, fall into this mode of just repeating things really without any thought whatsoever. I know growing up for us, it was God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. You know, you just it got to where you just said it and you didn't even really think about how good God really is. You know, you, we do that as Christians, right? We get these little sayings, you know, and, and we just kind of run with it, even though they're true and, and very powerful. But eventually you can kind of fall into that mode. And I think, you know, honestly, the Lord's Prayer is probably one of those things that that has happened to us. You know, I know in some places, I think they have you recite that every week. I know if I remember right, growing up in the Baptist church that I went to growing up, our church, I think, did that every Sunday morning. And you just said it. You knew it. You said it. But have you ever really thought about it? I mean, here's Jesus saying, hey, pray this way. I would guess that was probably something pretty important. And on the surface of this prayer, it wouldn't seem very powerful, really. I mean, if you really thought about the way that some of us prayed today, and you'd be thinking Jesus would have really ramped this baby up, you know, and if you really didn't take a look at it and, and just simply repeated it, it wouldn't seem very powerful on the surface. I know for me, I've known this prayer since I was, what, eight years old? I am uh, much older than that now, but I'd never really at any time in my life thought about it much until I was in Jefferson City at one of our healing schools. We'd been preaching in the state capitol every Thursday night. 
they were remodeling it for a little season there. And so somebody that was with us had a connection at a local church just minutes from the Capitol. And we had asked if we could use that for a while to meet in the youth room. And the pastor agreed that we could. This man who was with us, he was the younger youth-aged pastor. And so he had mentioned that we had been meeting in that room on Thursdays to his kids on Wednesday night. He told them that they should try to get there on Thursdays too because he thought that uh, they would love to learn about miracles and that people were being miraculously healed, and they were. We were packing that room out about 50-plus every Thursday night, and many were there to experience a miracle, and so they did. So long story short, this man contacted me because he had been contacted by one of the parents whose daughter and son go to youth on Wednesdays. This young girl, 12 years old, went home the night before and told her mother, we are taking our brother, my brother, to Thursday night service because God's going to heal him if we do. So this particular man was calling me to let me know that they were coming, and the mother, of course, had concerns and had called the youth pastor and was a bit concerned because her daughter was very adamant that they were going because he said, my brother can be healed. And so her son is in a wheelchair. He had never walked his entire life, 13 years old. And so she's voicing her concerns. He had been born to a meth addict who put him in a shoebox and shoved him in a closet for the first two weeks of his life, only to survive because he had an older sister at that time of about three years old who acted like he was a play doll and fed him and gave him liquids just enough to stay alive for two weeks in the closet. So again, not all the details, but they found this boy and they took him to the hospital. And this woman who is now calling adopted this boy eventually. She was the nurse at the hospital when they brought this child in. She said when she got him, he was so tiny, she could just set him right in the palm of his hands and his eyes were so crossed, you couldn't even see the pupils due to being in a dark room for the couple weeks there trying to develop as a a baby. And then they thought he was deaf as well because he wouldn't respond. And of course, he was very crippled up. And eventually they got the hearing and the eyes fixed, but his little body never developed properly. So here they are, handsome, handsome young man, very attractive, very sharp, but his body is just twisted and just, of course, from, from lack of usage, no muscle tone whatsoever. And so um, this woman comes, and she adopted this boy and then found out she was pregnant. And now here's this daughter who's almost the same age as her son. And after a long discussion with the mother, the bottom line was this. Well, he's been prayed over hundreds of times. He's an easy target, she said. Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, we've been to healing schools. And I said, well, you know, I don't know about all that. I said, but let's just, let's just see what God is going to do tonight. So we go into the room and I'm preaching. And at the end, of course, I'm going to minister to the sick. But before I could finish my altar call, this young sister's already pushing her brother up to the front, like literally running into my leg, like, you know why we're here, shut up and pray. So some others came forward as well. And, and so I go to this young man in the wheelchair and his body's just all twisted. He's so small. Not uh, much muscle development in any way. Very sharp, though. Nothing wrong with his mental faculties, just his body. And there were two others already praying in the spirit, one on each side of the wheelchair there with him. And so I knelt down in front of him, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to pray. Here we go. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this powerful prayer to come out of me, right? I don't know what I'm going to pray, but it, here it comes. And out of my mouth, before I even realized what I was saying, here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. My mind, my mind is suddenly going, where are we going? And then here it is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh, oh, there it is. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
are there any boys in wheelchairs in heaven? Then your will be done right here in Jesus' name. And I walked off to minister to some others. All of a sudden, somebody says, Donnie, Donnie. And I look over, and this boy is standing up. Well, again, to shorten the story, many more details. He walked out that night pushing an empty wheelchair. But my point is the Lord's Prayer. I found myself quoting the Lord's Prayer, and wow, I had no idea. Being born again for over three decades at that time, the Lord's Prayer, there was power in that prayer. So I wanted to take some time. Let's talk about this prayer a bit. And today, let's start with the purpose of prayer. Just a foundation as to where we're going with this, I believe, will be a short series. I probably just set myself up by saying that. The Lord's Prayer. Quick question. Have y'all been sensing that the enemy has really ramped up his attacks against people? I mean, I know there's always, there's always something, but, but to me, it just seems like as I'm, as I'm talking with folks and, of course, dealing with things in my own life, the attacks have really been vicious lately. And the danger can be that we can start to give the devil a little bit too much credit for things because it starts to snowball, doesn't it? It starts to snowball. Now, it's any and every little thing is the devil because we're on high alert now. I'm tired of it. And so, you know, and so listen to this. And it's weird, but I'm making a point as to God has been dealing with me. Well, the devil is attacking and it's bad and I'm giving him so much credit for it, right? Well, so does that mean that when it's not as bad, then the devil decided to give me a break and so maybe I should thank him for pulling back and attacking somebody else for a while? I mean, I mean, if I'm just going to tag everything on him... The problem isn't that we have opened the door or are doing things that have caused the devil to be released in greater measure in our life. Um, I think the issue is one of a vacuum created by us not releasing enough of God into our life. I think that's the standard we have to raise. More of God in my life. It's the law of displacement. More in and other stuff gets pushed out. And so, and so uh, let me say this, we aren't praying enough. Now, let me say this because I just did some teachings on, well, then what is enough prayer? What is enough when it comes to prayer? Deeper, harder, more tongues, what? Well, the issue really is the, a survey of 35,071 people of religious backgrounds, 85% say they pray daily. Now, that seems like a great number, except let me take it deeper. That was made up of 22% evangelicals, 36% Hindu, and these other religions. So Hindus are praying more often than Christians. Not even a quarter of believers pray daily. Weekly, 27%. Monthly, 13%. This is a problem. So my point being, we should be praying. For me, seeing James 5 and verse 16, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, Continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Prayer is a portal to connect this realm to that unseen realm where all the work is a finished work. So through prayer, it says that we are reaching into heaven's realm and we are pulling down that power we need into this realm. That's amazing. This is the importance of prayer. And I believe that all anointed acts of God begin with prayer. So I think we should all strive to go to a new level in prayer. It's so powerful. Luke 11 and verse 1, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Jesus felt the need to pray. Now you think about that statement for a minute. Jesus felt the need to pray. When he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Then he says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, 
It's also recorded in Matthew 6, verse 9. In this manner, he said, this is the pattern. Jesus gave us a pattern. And, um, you know, we sometimes just put that up on the wall and probably have memorized it at some point, but we don't use the pattern. Some think it's praying it exact word for word, but I believe it's more so about the pattern of prayer. So number one thing you got to do with prayer is take it very serious. Take it seriously. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And the one that we are at war with is looking to kill you. He doesn't want to inconvenience you once in a while. He wants you out. That's serious. Stealing, killing, destroying. Ephesians 6 and verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual host of wickedness. That sounds kind of serious to me. This is way more than, Lord, I need a close parking spot at Walmart. This is more than, oh, Lord, did you see what they posted about me on Facebook? This is serious. We are going to have to release the power of a realm that is holding a finished work. There are, as we have been studying on Wednesday nights at church here, which I encourage you, if you have not done so, go back to the two guys in a Bible page and watch the teachings on demons and deliverance. But there are rulers or kings, if you will, over regions, demonic kings, despotisms. Those are tyrant kings over regions, principalities, princes, rulers. So when warfare increases, the question to ask then is not why are the enemy's attacks increasing, but rather why are more of the attacks landing? Why are they getting through? Why are they hitting me now? It's not that he's taking days off, so why suddenly are they getting through to us? My Bible says things like the shield of faith would quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So it seems like we can stop it from landing. We need to talk about this because I hope you, like me, I want God to rule and reign over my city, over my church, my town, this region. We need to reset who it is that's ruling over our regions for our future. We have to start now. He will not step back, but we don't need to fear him. And I hope I can spark you to to go after lost souls as well. And all this is going to become possible as we pray. Daniel 10. So we say Ephesians uh, just said that we are at war with principalities. Evil princes, not natural ones, although of course they can and uh, are at times um, uh, influenced by. But we're talking about demonic realms, spirit realms. That of course affects our natural realm. A principality refers to a geographical region that a prince rules over. So in Daniel 10, Daniel's praying, he's fasting for 21 days, and an angel brings him his answer. But notice what this angel says in Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13. I thought this was amazing. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the king, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for if for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. This is amazing to me. See, imagine this battle in the unseen realm. An angel from the very throne room of God comes to this man, and he says, I was dispatched from heaven to you the very first day you prayed, but what took place was is I have been at, in a war with another angel, a fallen angel. And I wouldn't even be here now if it wasn't for another archangel coming and helping me. That is amazing. He was fighting principalities and powers. Daniel 10, 20 and 21. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. 
but I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. So check this out because we have been made this, we've made this whole angel thing so cute, right? Oh, I believe in angels. We have these pictures of these cute little chubby things and beautiful women with flowing gowns and a, a nice light upon them and their wings, you know, just kind of fluttering off in the distance. That's not what he's talking about here. Hey, Daniel, you have a prince too. Michael, the archangel of the most high God is at your service when you prayed. Guys, this is huge. The angels are protecting us, as it says, to keep us from dashing our foot against the stone. I love that he, he's talking to him about his prince. You ever thought about this? Your prince now is the prince of peace. Daniel kept praying until he saw what it was that he was praying for. And I think many of us are too casual in our prayers, not praying with purpose. Mark 5, we see Jesus casting out a demon. In verse 8, for he said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Wait a minute now. The demons didn't care about the man. They were after the region through the man. This man was simply a vehicle to allow them to stay in that region and have a base camp, if you will. Don't send us out of the region, out of this area. That's why they begged to go into the pigs. This is where we have strongholds. You've seen that, right? Come on, you know this. When you've gone into different regions as a believer, your spirit man will pick up on that, right? You can sense that in the spirit that something isn't right here. I know for sure the reason that God had me stay here at the Lake of the Ozarks all these years, me trying to leave or thinking I could just go somewhere and do something else. No. Hey, let's just start another church here. Great. No. I've been here since 1978. My father became a pastor here. My father-in-law, my cousin, my uh, brother-in-law, my best friend's dad, all here in this close region of just a few miles uh, as the crow flies, the Ozark region. They all started out here as the, some of the first, uh, uh, what, what, what could I say, faith ministers, uh, Holy Spirit-filled ministers, not, uh, I guess, non-denominational ministers, about 35, 40 years ago. But their influence through the years uh, as some left, others have died, and I'm seeing that they have no influence now outside of just church meetings on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's not the way they started. That's not why I was called to stay here in this region. They used to talk back in the 80s. I remember as a, as a, as a teenager, they were talking about demons. They were talking about rulers and strongholds, but they were also working together. Man, they would have people burning stuff and, and bringing stuff that was no good, and they were burning books and satanic things. And I mean, it was just amazing, but now it's all about church growth, and, and well, they have suffered for that. As all of them are about it, half of the people that they used to have all those years ago, and they're really no strong influence in the community at all. And let me say this. They started to become now known more for how mean they were, how clicky they were. How hard and just really, I mean, one pastor wouldn't even shop in this town because he didn't want to run into anybody that knew him as a pastor. He lived here since the mid 80s and wouldn't even buy gas in this town or shop here. Well, he's dead along with my father. And so now who's going to pick up that original mandate from God here or wherever you're at? Somebody has to be on the wall with this as a watchman. Who's watching over our town? Who's watching over that region. Not my church and my four and no more. No, not my needs and wants. We have got to pray to bring down these strongholds and then walk in that opposite spirit. For instance, those churches started being talked about 
from people as just mean. They were mean or prideful, like they were better than everybody else. And so we here, we're praying now, and we want to be known for love. Our motto at the church at the MHC is where we love the hell out of your life, right? We We are pursuing to walk the opposite direction of what churches are known for. So we see here a territorial spirit there in Daniel. In Titus, Paul's talking uh, in Titus 1, 5, and 10 through 13. Uh, Paul's talking here, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I command you. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Christians are always liars, evil beasts, lazy, gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. This sounds to me like an ethnic slur. You know, those Cretans, they're a bunch of liars. You think about this. You think about this if we said this about another race of people. Well, you know, they're all liars. They're all just a bunch of lazy gluttons. Well, here's the issue. This is in the Bible, and this is the Apostle Paul talking here. And this is what you need to know. Paul is simply quoting one of their own prophets and what he had to say about them. They were quoting one of their own prophets from 600 years earlier. This priest, whose name I can't even try to say, but see, we do this too. You think about what we say at times. Well, you know, I'm German. So, you know, what we're known for, I'm Irish, you know, Jewish, whatever. So what we're actually saying is, we even say this when talking about living in certain areas, like here right now where I live, you know, I live at the Lake of the Ozarks, a very touristy driven area, and they're going to be gone for the next seven or eight months. So I'm broke. I'm poor. I struggle every year at this time. We're establishing strongholds through those words. In those scriptures, it was showing us that they were dealing with territorial spirits that caused lying and gluttony and lazy and dishonest. They were, and their own prophet was saying, do you see it? So here where I'm at, for instance, it's a poverty thing. It oozes poverty, and yet I'm guaranteeing you over a billion dollars, I bet. If I had to bet, I bet over a billion dollars was spent in this region over the last three to four months. Over a billion dollars, I bet, came into this region at the lake, but we're all broke. See, that's what happens ruling here over the winter because it's such a tourist-built economy. Once fall hits, like right now, all the locals suddenly become really poor if you don't own your own lakefront bar or restaurant. That's the thing here always. We're so poor. We're trying to just get ready to survive the winter again. Tighten the old belt. 10, 10 million people come here every summer. From all over the world, we got people who can't make it through the winter, have no food, have to heat their homes with wood. That was me for years. Had to literally use wood because I couldn't afford to run the heat. I said no more of that garbage, and I'm going to begin to break that cycle because 10 million people were here. Multiple hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars over that four-month period poured into this region. Where is it? I'll tell you where it's not. It's not at the church. And I can tell you that I, I'm, I'm having to pray right now. Listen, because I've watched this every single week as we drew near winter. It's a pattern. I've watched it. The offerings go down. They go down and down and down every week towards winter. Right now, as of this past Sunday, we are literally at half of, of what the beginning offerings were at the start of the summer. At half. Gosh, why? Listen, same or even a few more people now than what we started with, but we're at half. 
a spirit of poverty and fear. Every year, poverty and fear. I used to listen to my father as he was a pastor here, and my father-in-law and cousin, all pastors here. Oh, winter's coming. Why does that matter? Because we're allowing it to matter. And it's a real issue because, well, the bills are the same and only going up. But here, here we are, right? But, uh, but only ha- half. So in, in seven to eight months, it's going to be this way. So what's the answer? Pray. We got to pull down that stronghold. No more poverty in this region. We have to begin to break the cycle. We see this in families, right? Well, you know, they're related to so-and-so. Oh, yeah. You know, they're a bunch of drinkers. They're, they're alcoholics. Oh, man, you, you know, they all, they all took drugs, man. They're addicts. I mean, that's, right, they're, they're all abusive. Man, that's an angry group of people over there. I mean, and there's sins that are prevalent in your families. Then that's a familiar spirit, as the Bible calls it. And there's a stronghold from your ancestors that has to be broken. It's made its way down through the family as expected behaviors because, well, after all, you know they're an Allen, right? I mean, you know what they're known for. No, you're going to have to pray and then come against that sin with the opposite spirit. So, for instance, with the church and how all my family pastored and handled their ministries and they all struggled with money all the time, always broke, and then wore it like a badge of honor because, well, see, I'm just struggling for Jesus, but I can't go anywhere because he wouldn't let me, so I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to be broke, but thank you, Jesus. I hope we just make it through. Not me. I'm coming out of that cycle. And so I conduct and am le- and learning to conduct my ministry based off of what God said and not the finances. Listen, it's not easy because you do look at the numbers. They're at half, but it's a must. So in the middle of winter, I'm talking the weeks, you know, the week before the new year every year, we host the winter summit. I would invite you to come to the winter summit. You want to come to the winter summit. You, you, you need to be at these meetings. They're amazing. But what we do is, is uh, every year we host the summit, and it takes a lot of money to do that. And, and I'm saying, I'm shoving this in Satan's face, a town of 900, and I'll have 10 to 12 guest speakers, and we do three meetings a day for days on end, however long it takes, and it takes a bunch of money to do it. Hotels for all of them, travel, offering for the speakers, trying to help take care of those that helped you because they missed work to be here, and, and the heat blasting in the middle of winter all day and all night and just, you know, and, and, and in a 9,000-square-foot building. And, man, if you think about it too much, you almost want to cancel it. And we've gone in the hole for the past three years on the summit. It cost me a bunch of money in the end. But how am I going to change it? This year, I'm going to change it with prayer. I'm refusing to allow that spirit of poverty to try to tell me. So I'm fighting it with the opposite of, hey, I have a God who supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory, not mine and not yours. And so we go on, standing purposely against that poverty spirit to set up here over the region. Honestly, in the natural, we should never do the summit in the winter at all. So much involved with it. But we need to take prayer seriously. And I do believe that God hears my prayers because if I really did, my attitudes and actions would be markedly different if I really believed that God heard my prayers, if I took it serious. Now, number two, so number one, take it, take it very serious. Number two, don't take it too serious. Now, I'm not contradicting myself, but... Yes, take warfare and prayer seriously, but don't get so burdened and so stressed about what you're praying about. I know for me, God has really been dealing with me to getting, getting back to prayer because over the past three years, had a major life-changing issue in my life take place, and, and it took way too much of my time. And my prayer life suffered greatly for it. And so now God is dealing with me that it's time to get back to it right now. So now, once I started back to it, you begin to receive revelation again. But my point is, in this is to say, 
that the reason that I had slacked off so bad is because I had become overburdened. I overburdened myself with situations in my life and the church and the people, and so I slacked off because if I prayed about it, now I got to think about it. And I don't want to think about it because it's causing me stress. So out of sight, out of mind. And God is saying, I didn't create prayer to bring stress upon you, but to remove it from you. You need to be giving that burden to me, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. So anxiety, it seems, is the opposite of prayer. Don't be anxious, but pray. So if you have anxiety, fear, and stress in your life, then that tells me you're not praying enough. Let that be a gauge for you. Prayer will take care of it. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Casting to place the full weight of responsibility for something onto somebody else. The Lord, it's in his hands. Prayer is transferring the burden. If you go to prayer and you come out of that still with the same burden, then you didn't pray, you just griped. Prayer is when you give that burden to Jesus. So, we've, so we, were created, we were created to carry the burden, but only as far as to the feet of Jesus, and that's it. No more. So the issue has been we take these burdens and we go to Jesus and, okay, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. I'm laying it at your feet. I'm, cast, I'm, I'm casting it over to you, Lord. Do you see that? I'm, I'm just going to be standing over here. I'm just going to be standing over here sweating it out. <laughs> but here you go. Lord, and here you go, and we move on. Lord, I give it to you, Jesus. It's all in your timing. Yeah, I know it's all good. I'm just over here. You know, you got this, right? I mean, there it is at your feet. You see it, Lord? Right? I, I See, it's right there. I laid it. See it? See, it's right there by your toes, Lord, if you'll just... Okay, well, if you're just going to stand there, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to take it back. That's what we do. I was talking to somebody about a burden that he had, and, and you'll relate to this. I said, well, have you given that burden over to the Lord? And he said, yeah, many times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. I've given that same burden over to the Lord many times. Well, that means that at some point you took it back, right? I, and I know it's not really about the number of times because Daniel prayed 21 days. Paul says pray without ceasing. Jesus says, could you just tarry an hour? But the key is to not carry the burden and try to mask that as I'm praying when really you're worrying. Give it to him. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Come on, your God will sustain you. If you cast your burdens, the Lord will sustain you and will not allow you to be moved by your circumstances. They no longer call the shots in your life. Let me try to wrap this one up today. How can we take it serious and not too serious? So we say that we don't, you know, we, we, we say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, etc. okay. So this is how we can take that serious but not get burdened and stressed out. We wrestle against principalities and powers. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The reason that we don't need to take this too serious is because we are fighting Satan and the demons, but the reason, okay, I mean, we do need to take it serious, right? Because you are, you're fighting Satan and demons. You gotta take that serious. But the reason that we don't have to be stressed out about it is because Jesus is Lord, He's the head of all principality and all power. Jesus is the head over it all. And he left you and I a pattern to follow. As the enemy is coming against us, bringing up the past failures, even the right now failures, what am I going to do? I have a pattern that I can come to him and I can pray that my father, my father, come on, you just think about, 
our Father who art in heaven. You, you think about that statement right away. Our Father, my Father, my Father who is in heaven. Do you, my Father is the Almighty God. My Father God, the great and greatly to be praised. And I thank you today that I pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in this situation in my life, that your kingdom is going to come and invade my life, and you are going to give me all I need to be sustained. And Lord, you had forgiven me in the same way that I have forgiven others. And oh yeah, and you can protect me from ever falling into that again, because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory in my life forever, amen. We don't have to wonder. He left us the pattern on how to get it done. So do not allow the devil any more room in your life. Pray. Always remember the power of your own personal prayer life. You know, I mean, it's just you having a conversation with the absolute supreme being of the entire universe and him actually leaning into hearing what it is that you have to say. That's all. You know, I mean, that's all just the almighty God sitting on his throne, actually leaning down to hear what it is you say personally. He loves you so much. Go to him. Allow God to remove the burdens. Take it serious. But don't take it all that serious. Come on, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the new old school podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. You know what I'm doing until next time. I'm going to cast all those cares upon him. And now that's going to allow me to attempt the ridiculous and achieve the miraculous.